what's what's great is uh, we we retrain people to understand that the goal isn't to talk somebody into seeing your way because that's never going to happen in a conversation. It is the goal, the measure of success is that you successfully started to yank the thread on the whole sweater of statism that they're wearing. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Hello, this is The Corbett Report. It is January 28th, 2020. Today we're talking to Larkin and Amanda Rose about something called Candles in the Dark. You'll have to forgive me. I'm sorry, James couldn't make it today. I am his identical twin brother, Statist Jim, who you've never met before, but uh, he he had to run out the door and he asked me to do this interview, so uh, I've just got some notes to go on. It says, uh, Larkin and Amanda Rose are doing some sort of seminar called Candles in the Dark, teaching people how to be anarchists. Oh, my stupid kid brother, James. He was three minutes uh, three minutes younger than me, and I can't believe he's he's this weird anarchist guy. I don't know. I don't get it at all. I love government, but I guess I'll have to do this interview. Uh, Larkin and Amanda, thanks for coming on The Corbett Report. Thanks for having us thanks on. Thanks for having us. All right. So tell us about Candles in the Dark. What is this nonsense about anarchism you guys are trying to spread? Well, this nonsense is about the fact that pretty much everybody already is an anarchist underneath a bunch of garbage they were taught. And so getting people to think about these things and embrace these ideas is not so much a matter of, you know, evangelizing them into a new religion. It's really a matter of removing some garbage from on top of what was already underneath and and all they already need to know. They don't need to be any more moral or wise or anything. They just need some of the debris peeled off from what they actually are underneath. Are, are you calling my beliefs garbage? Are you saying I'm an anarchist? I am a statist to the core. I am saying that, that you, twin brother of Jim, are absolutely an anarchist underneath and that you have been taught things that actually interfere with what you really believe in and what you really think about right and wrong. And I bet I could demonstrate that to you by way of just simple questions about what you think, not lecturing you about what I think, but just asking you about what you think. And that's what, that's what Candles in the Dark does, is it teaches people like me, who already don't believe in having a ruling class, how to use questions to bring out of other people their, their latent voluntarist that's still in there, underneath stuff that they've been bombarded with their whole life that doesn't really match what they are. Well, it's very easy for you to sit there on your comfortable home, uh, protected by the government that you hate so much, and, and dare to lecture people like me, tax-paying, government-loving citizens, about what it is that they're doing that's wrong. But I take you up on your challenge. Ask me some questions, and we'll find out if I'm really an anarchist underneath. Absolutely. And given that, you know, your exposure to Jim, you've probably heard enough about these ideas that I can sort of skip some preliminary stuff and go to a little bit more substantial things. Um, do you believe that it's ever justified for you to disobey the law? Uh, the law that's been voted on by a majority of legislators um, that have been duly elected by the citizens of a country? No, I mean, if it was a communist dictatorship or something, maybe. But no, we live in a free, open society, so the lawmakers make the laws. 
Okay, so here you don't think it's okay, but in some places and in some situations you think it was morally justified for the people to, to disobey, to be criminals. Well, of course. I mean, if the uh, government is criminal, yeah. Okay, now, who, by what standard are you deciding whether, you know, this government, its commands were criminal and this one isn't? That's actually pretty easy because CNN always uses the word government to refer to one of the good guys and regime to refer to one of the bad guys. So, for example, the Iranian regime, I mean, clearly they're bad, right? So that's that's the way I... Okay, so, so CNN is the deciding factor. Of course. On whether it's... Now, what about in the past here? Like, can you think of, of laws in the past in this country that are now long gone that you think it was actually moral and legitimate for people to disobey and bad for people to enforce. Well, I'm in Japan, but let's assume I'm in America. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, uh, I must admit I like beer and I understand at one point it was maybe not legal to drink beer. Indeed. Now, do you think if you happen to live here in the time of prohibition, of alcohol prohibition, um, do you think it would be moral and legitimate for you to disobey and have a beer? and immoral for them to violently attack you for that. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it would be immoral. Well, yes, I mean, I suppose morality doesn't have anything to do with it, though. It's what's the law, and we changed the law by repealing that amendment, so that it was all done legally. Um, but yeah, no, it was immoral, obviously, for people to stop people from drinking. Right, and the reason morality is relevant is because that's actually what I'm asking you. I'm asking for your moral judgment on things, regardless of whether it's it's the law or not. Um, so you do believe, even here or where you are or wherever, that it's at least theoretically possible for duly elected representatives to go through the legislative process and do something, and you still don't necessarily have a moral obligation to obey. Not a moral obligation, no. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously they may do nasty things to you if you don't, but yeah, I was asking the, the moral side of that. Okay. One more question. I mean, we could do this all day, but we'll, <laughs> we'll do a brief one. Do you believe, but presumably you have, you know, some political leanings as opposed to other political leanings. Um, do you believe it's, it's legitimate and moral and righteous for, whatever political party you don't particularly like, to vote in people who will force you to pay for things that you're morally opposed to. Like if the Libertarian Party got into power and forced me to fund their um, plan for, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I can't even think of a money. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, well, of course. I mean, I hate the other side of the spectrum, and anything they do is wrong, and anything my side does is right and justified. So, so yes, you don't I like mean, the... obviously, anything that they force me to fund that I don't like is bad. Okay, and I agree that you shouldn't be forced to fund anything they don't like. Now, would you be, would you be up for the deal of they don't get to force you to fund anything you're against? And you don't get to force them to fund anything they're against. Would you go for that deal? Like, as in, from now on, you will never be forced to fund something you're against, but you also won't elect somebody into power who's going to force them to do it. So I never have to do anything that they, the other side, wants me to do again? Right. 
They're not going to control you. They're not going to extort you. You don't have to worry about their political power bossing you around and meddling in your life. But as part of the deal, you also don't get to meddle in their life by way of politics. I love meddling in people's lives. Um, <laughs> well, it sounds like a good deal, but it won't work that way because the system has to be for everyone. It can't work if there are people who slip through the cracks. Okay, but regardless of what you think would work, regardless of like predictions and stuff, would you go for that deal for yourself if you could? Sure, yeah, for myself, yeah. Okay, that's a good enough place to stop because... That's an answer that only an anarchist can consistently <laughs> I've been revealed. Oh, I, I did my best. It was a good try. All right. So uh, walk us through what just happened there. What, what's, the, uh, what's the idea behind what we're doing? That was a slight, slightly silly version of <laughs> Sorry. The, the lines of questioning and the method of, of approach we teach in Candles in the Dark. Because every person, even though, and, and it actually, it made for a very nice illustration, even though every person sort of has things that they wish authority would inflict on everybody else, like make the world the way I want it to be, they can also either imagine hypotheticals or see the real examples of where they don't like authority telling them, here's what you should be and here's what you have to pay for. So inside every individual or every status, there's this conflict, there's this part of them it wants to be free and it doesn't want to be controlled. It doesn't want to be robbed. It doesn't want to be bossed around. It, 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 it already understands self-ownership and non-aggression, even if they've never heard it called that. And then there's the part of them that's been taught that, well, if you do violence by way of these rituals and legislation and stuff, then it's okay and it's necessary and you have to have that for civilization, blah, blah, blah. So basically the entire point of the lines of question is to bring out the contradiction in person. So it isn't, it isn't me against them, it's them against them. And what we look for, what we, what we teach people to look for is exactly what you did. I mean, obviously play acting, but exactly what you did where you get to a point where you have to go, because uh, that is the time that matters. When you can get somebody to a point where they're not quite sure what to say about what they think. It isn't a matter of they don't have a rebuttal to me. It's they're not clear on what to say about what they actually want. And if you learn the methods, it does take sort of self-training. Like Candles in the Dark is a two-day seminar we put on. And most of it is about training yourself to not have it fall into an argument and, and, and all that. To keep yourself on track so you're not triggering their psychology and making them and freak out. part of the point is that it really is about helping them to start to see but also to feel that the conflict is in here with themselves and you're on their side yep. the side of the anarchist and so most of the time when somebody has sort of a a conversion experience as i call it which anarchists have when they kind of clear out that statism thing we sort of forget what it was like to think like a statist and then we do the full nerd Aspergery thing of just going, I'm just going to tell everyone and go Bleh, and see, and they're going to accept it. And that's not what happens because humans are emotional beings. We're, we're psychological beings. So this is about training the psychology of the anarchist to not set off these emotional triggers, to not go at somebody, but to like come up alongside them and like join them and sort of partner with them and question asking in a way that 
helps them feel like you're just you're just coaxing them gently over to this cooler side. You're on their side. So you're agreeing with them where they agree with you. You're asking questions that will they're going to answer with the moral answer. You're going to go, I agree. I don't think you should be forced to fund what you don't you know, think is moral. And, you know, would you grant the same for me? And you're trying to bring out that person that that is there the whole time. But the conflict is between themselves, them and themselves. Right. That's it. And that's what cognitive dissonance is. You're bringing them to that wall of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And one of the keys is when you're using the candles in the dark method, obviously I also do other things like <laughs> knock down, drag out debates and arguments. But when you're doing the candles in the dark method, the only time you should even say what you think about something is if you agree with them. And then by all means, like, you know, you said you didn't want to be robbed for things that you're morally opposed to. Good. I don't want you robbed for that either. So that they learn along the way, oh, this person keeps being on my side. Like they keep agreeing yeah. with me instead of saying I'm stupid and wrong and bad Actually, and stuff. Actually, I noticed that even as you were doing it. So it is an effective tactic. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah. he agrees with me. Good. <laughs> even yeah. as I'm play and, acting, I was happy about that. Right. Okay. But uh, Amanda, this is what I wanted to ask you about, the conversion experience that you talked about there. You've seen, obviously, this play out over the past few years. You guys have been doing this. What does that actually look like? Because I'm assuming most people, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming most people probably don't have their come to Jesus moment right there in in the midst of this. I assume most people have to go home and think about it and wrestle with it. And you might hear about it later. What what has been your experience with people? Um, what's what's great is uh, we, we retrain people to understand that the goal isn't to talk somebody into seeing your way because that's never going to happen in a conversation. It is the goal, the measure of success is that you successfully started to yank the thread on the whole sweater of statism that they're wearing. And the way that the signs that you did that, it can usually be done, The the that can be done in one question. It's about their response and understanding the psychological tells of when they already go, that's a basic yes or no question and I can't answer it. And as soon as they don't have an answer, they're doing the visual tell of, I'm looking up to think about, is it this or is it this? My indoctrination says it's this, <laughs> but that doesn't, something's not right here. And as soon as they do that, that's the measure that you got, you, you tugged on the, the thread. But yeah, the aha moment often doesn't come right then. What has happened though, is the first Candles in the Dark we did in Phoenix, Arizona, um, a guy that was brought in by his friend who attended our seminar and, you know, he was, you know, practiced on at the end and, and his friend brings him up in front of everybody He's kind of tense and you can tell he's on guard and within seconds he realized this wasn't a debate, this wasn't a fight, this wasn't going to. And he was laughing along with his friend and having a good time. And by the time it was all done, he's like, my 15 minutes is up because we, you know, we bribe him for, with 50 bucks cash for 15 minutes of their time. And he goes, I want to keep going. This is fun. <laughs> and then he, he leaves and his friend uh, emailed Larkin the next day and said, my friend who came in said, um, I have some questions, man, but I think you're turning me into an anarchist. And he had like, this was the next day. Yeah. So, and, you know, so we've seen people kind of, and we've even seen some people who are already thinking about things, maybe minarchists, maybe, you know, all right, come in and they've got to the end of it and gone, wow, you know what? Dang, that's a good question. I, wow, I really, I'm going to have to think about that. Um, and you can see the way that they say, I'm going to have to think about that is like, this is monumental. I need to go home and rearrange my whole worldview because you just got me. Right. So it's happening all the time. And we we never don't hit the wall of cognitive dissonance in the right. middle of a seminar. And so. one thing we focus heavily on, and it's important for the voluntarists to understand this, 
is uh, an analogy I use is like a doctor. If you break your leg and go to the doctor, when you walk out of his office, you still have a broken leg. Hopefully you have a broken leg that's set up in such a way that your body can now heal it, like with a cast on it and stuff. And if you have that mentality when talking to people and realize they're not going to change their whole worldview while you're talking to them, but you can set things up in such a way that when they leave, it's going with them. The uncertainty is going with them. The, the having to think about stuff is going with them. So the vast majority of progress is going to happen when you're not there. And they may yeah. come back to you later and talk to you or you may never talk to them again. But, you know, as most of us have experienced, most of our progress is when we're sitting around by ourselves going, ah, I don't know how to sort this stuff out. It isn't while we're in the process of arguing right. with somebody. So we really are doctors. Like you set the leg, you do what you can do and you let them go. You don't like press harder on the leg like that's going to help. You do what you can do and you let them sort it out because they are the only ones who can heal their own indoctrination. You can help it. You can set it up, but you can't force it on them. And the more you try, the worse it gets. So that's one of the main things that, that we teach voluntarists is don't try to like evangelize the heck out of them while they're sitting in front well, of you. What's funny is ironically, anarchists want to force freedom on people verbally. <laughs> Like verbally, they want pe they want to be able to just go in and go two plus two equals four. There, I put in the correct answer. Now you're not a statist, and we can't do that, and we shouldn't be able to. And that's right. one thing we point out in Candles in the Dark is you shouldn't have the power to reach into somebody's head and reprogram them. They're supposed to have to get here. That's what free will is, and this is just pulling the thread that just undoes the whole big just lie that just starts to unravel because it can't not unravel once they've already had to come to the crossroads they can't undo the moment where they had to come to the crossroads that's what's so powerful just doing this is powerful so people will think wow all i did was ask a few questions and it didn't seem like a lot happened right then a lot happened right then and it's yeah. been proven every time we've done this because it's changed people we had um we did have one candles in the dark where a statist sat through the whole thing, knowing full well we were going to be talking about her in a sort of awkward way because it's geared towards people who are already anarchists. Well, her, her man brought her, and he said, can she, she doesn't have anywhere to go. This candle's in the dark is in the middle of the woods in Washington. Can she just stay here for a couple days? And so we're, you know, we said, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it might be awkward for her because we're, we're talking about her. And by the end of it, Larkin, you know, went up to her and said, do you want to, you know, volunteer to go up front in front of everyone and be one of the statists for us that does this, you know? And she's like, well, I guess I could, but like, I'm not a statist now. Because <laughs> <laughs> she went through the seminar and heard us talking about statism and, and training people how to like bring the true voluntary ice out. And so the whole time she's like, well, screw that. <laughs> Never mind my leftism. It's gone now. Like, so she Amazing stuff. I see how it can be so effective, but I think... It seems to me that doesn't a lot of it rely on people agreeing to the ground rules first? I mean, everyone wants a debate. And if, if somebody comes into it thinking they're going to get a debate or, oh, this is an anarchist that's trying to change my mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you questions, I'm going to throw things back at you. How do you avoid setting that, that sort of tone? That's why it's 100% the job of the voluntary is to keep that from happening. Because you don't get to agree for them what the rules are going to be. But there are absolutely things you can do that make it never go that way. And we've like after every one of these we've done in person, we invite people in to, to you know, to, so the people who are just there, they've been there for two days and, and now they're like trying it out, whether on somebody they know or a few times we brought in people just out of the blue. Um, 
but it's it's never been like angry and confrontational. Nope. And there is a lot of the training is to train the voluntary is to not let their own psychology make them fall into the rut of arguing because it's so easy. And one of the things to demonstrate and the reason there has to be a course, it can't just be here, watch me do this is the thing you can't see by watching someone do something is the 50 things they didn't do that would be really tempting to do that yep. would have made it into an, an argument. Yeah, and the statist will try to say and do things along the way. Like you said, um, they're going to try to do things that almost instinctively, if they think this is where it's going or they think they you, they know who you are, they're, they're, they expect a fight. So that's why it's so important to watch your own psychology. And when you realize how much your own psychology has everything to do with whether or not something goes into a fight, then then you know that if for some reason they freak out and all you did was ask gentle questions, then that's the 100% indicator that you did the right thing and they did hit their cognitive dissonance. That's why they got mad. But if they got mad, it's not because you were combative. Make sure it's not because you did something to set them off. Right. And one of the things that most people do is they go down one of the hundred different rabbit trails that the status will try to take it on because one thing the status doesn't want to do is get to that wall of cognitive dissonance. The, the subconscious is very smart. It knows what's coming. It's already done the math like ahead of time. And it's starting to tell the status, like, alert, alert, this is going to get awkward. You're going to hit a wall soon. And they're going, oh, um, okay, so instead of answering a direct yes or no, I'm going to say, okay, but what about schools and roads? And, you know, fact, that's why they do that. They're trying to veer off. That's the only reason somebody doesn't answer a blatant yes or no question. An anarchist that knows the answer to a blatant yes or no question they've, they've already thought through says yes or no. A statist goes... But what about right. the children and the poor? But notice that that you even did that. The thing of it will never work. And a common thing is for the voluntarists to dive into arguing about predictions. Don't because they can predict that we'll be killing and eating each other. How do you prove that we won't? I mean, you, you can try to give a lecture for three hours or you can say, OK, whatever you think would happen. What is your moral belief? Which is why I did that. And it brought it back to. And so, so much of it is just keeping it on track not letting yourself fall off the track and not letting them push you off the track. And just when you do it right, it actually looks and seems so peaceful and gentle and happy and friendly and simple. But that's after you learn the hundred things to not do that would make it crash into an argument or, you know, a, yeah. a wild guess of predictions and all that. So, so most of it is, is literally self-training. Like people go into the mindset of, I have to change this person and, you know, not to be Zen-ish, but first you must change yourself. <laughs> you totally have to because your psychology as a human being yeah. is going to make an argument by default unless you train yourself not to. Whenever you're challenging someone's fundamental paradigms, that's just a fight waiting to happen. And you have to train yourself to do things so that you don't make a fight happen. Yep. If only there was a way to remove that kind of that kind of face-to-face -face human combative element from this by making it into, I don't know video game or something where you could hold a mirror up to people by asking these questions. I don't know. I'm Funny just spitballing here. Funny you should say that. Well, <laughs> that leads us right into... Yep, and I'm still working on that. In fact, I'm in the process of rendering... I changed the introduction to it. Mostly I've been working on the script recently, which is huge. Uh, for those of you who don't know, here's a little hint here, is I'm making a thing that does it so that we don't have to do it um, called The Mirror. Um, it's an interactive uh, program that happens in a virtual 
reality and it asks people questions. And like you said, it doesn't even have the, the, the stress of having one person in front of them that you have to sort of answer to and explain yourself. And so that's a monumentally huge um, project, but I will, you know, unless I get Clinton or something, <laughs> I, I will finish that dang thing sooner or later. We, we have a running joke. And I'm just going to make this more public because the better, the more public it's a running joke, the better for us. But we have this running joke because people say, you, you guys aren't worried about, you know, considering everything you've already been through with the, the powers that soon will be not. Um, everybody thinks like we're sort of concerned about, are you on some, you know, are you on this list? Are you being watched? Or, you know, is, do you have to worry? Are you worried about that? And at this point, we're just like. Well, let's see if they do pretty much anything to you or if you just accidentally fall off a cliff and that's all you did. All of the movement would think it was definitely not no matter what happened to you, the movement would go, it's not an accident. He was not. They would be so screwed because there are so many people like it would make you an overnight sensation all over the globe. So now we have this running joke that he has federal protectors more likely than he has people that are like, there's probably people going like, yeah, just, just don't make sure he doesn't die. Make sure Cause if he dies, die. we have a problem. Nobody's going to think it was an accident. I, I got to admit, I, I dislike the amount of times I get the question. Why aren't you dead yet in my inbox? Like, <laughs> well, that's a good question. I think, because, yeah, I, I should just point that out. Public yeah. Public I probably public. have protectors more than, uh, than, people who want to kill me because right. they don't want my voice to spread. Right. They yeah. should have knocked us off before we had a enough platform. to notice us getting yeah. knocked. Like, All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on a happier note. <laughs> uh, so tell us about the workshop. Uh, two days, and this is going to happen in Anarcopoco uh, coming up here in Mexico in a couple weeks for the last time, question mark? Yeah, the last one we're doing live, as far as I know, will be on the 17th and 18th um, of next month, February um, right after Anarchapulco, down in Acapulco, Mexico. Um, and if you go to anarchapulco.com and go to the tickets page, there's like a bazillion workshops. Basically, you scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see um, Candles in the Dark there if you can get there in person. If you can't, there is now an online version of it that is attendcandles.com. Um, and that's uh, a bunch of people have, have been having fun going to that and, and going through that because that gives um, the friend of ours recorded the whole thing and did a great production of it and, and put it all together on a website there so that now people don't have the excuse of I just can't make it there. Well, can you make it to your computer? <laughs> oh. So I should mention him, by the way. His name is Kason. It's K-A-S-O-N, last name Bryden, B-R-Y-D-E-N. And he's him and Patrick Smith from Texas have been to Anarchapulco. And uh, they did, he did Larkin's little intro for Larkin's speech last year. It was really cool. But his video work is great. Yeah. And you can hire him. So um, anyone in the movement out there, if you look up Case and Bryden, K-A-S-O-N Bryden, um, and you, need, you have an event or you want to do a Liberty event and you just want really good video work for it for a reasonable deal, Message Case and find him on He's Facebook. Really dang good at it, and he'd much rather be doing it for anarchists yes. than the so, weird corporate world. There's of a plug whatever. for Case, and, and also, <laughs> and Patrick has been instrumental in trying to get the audio book of uh, Most Dangerous Superstition yep. on Audible and that, stuff. That's so about to be up. Um, that's about to happen, and uh, yeah, they've been they've been awesome. 
They, well, they got I would be it. remiss in my duties if I didn't put a plug in for my own video editor, Brock West, who is also available for freelance work. So <laughs> there's some video editing to go around for people. Um, all right. So uh, people can attend that in a couple of weeks. And guess what? I'm going to be there as well at an Archipelago. So yeah, hopefully we, we will actually be able to meet in person for the first time. Can you believe it? Uh, so, where were you five years ago? Because I was there five years ago, but you weren't. That was the one we weren't at. We've been <laughs> at everyone. the one I've been at. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we were at everyone since the second. Yeah, since the second one. We got invited. Um, and I actually got dragged in because this guy yeah. got uh, dragged in. Because Jeff finally bribed him enough that Larkin was like, Saint, Larkin was like, right, I don't fly right, the fascist me. guys. And then Jeff was like, well, what about this? And then and then Larkin's like, well, I'm actually I'm too broke to say no to that. So fine. So then Larkin tells Jeff, well, this woman has a really good voice. And he said all this sweet stuff about me. He's like, she's got really good ideas and she should be heard. And I'm like, you told him what? <laughs> and then Jeff messages me and goes, hey, do you want to be a speaker at Anarchapoco? And here I am. And this is my <laughs> fifth year there. And it just happened because that that's how it happened. Just some friends. Got and you dragged into it. <laughs> got sucked in. Yeah. That's, and uh, hopefully other people will have that experience too and uh, we'll grow the movement that way. So <laughs> who knows, however it grows, as long as it grows. You know, I want to say this this Candles in the Dark seminar sounds like it would be great for converting statists into voluntarists, but perhaps in all the other types of things that I talk about in the Corporate Report too, rather than going in and I'm going to tell you the truth about 9-11 or whatever it is, maybe there are more effective ways to get people to think about what it is they know and what they don't know. And why do you think that? And how do you know yeah. that? It, it sounds like of, this is broadly ap applicable. Absolutely. A lot of people have pointed out that like probably 80% of it is applicable to all sorts of communications. And then some of it is obviously specific to this issue and this philosophy. But yeah, a lot of it is just sort of being able to train yourself to not make something in, to not make somebody defensive and combative because the moment you do that, whatever you wanted to tell them doesn't even matter anymore. That's true. Like they're in defense mode and they're, if they view you as some foreign outside idea, they're going to, I'm going to keep you out at all costs instead of inviting them to think about things and say what they think. So yeah, it applies all over the place. All right, excellent. Well, I think we're going to leave this here. Obviously, I'll put in the links to the Anarchapoco tickets if people can attend in person. If not, uh, obviously, they can go to attendcandles.com. That link will be in the show notes as well. Hope people will check it out and start thinking about how they can use this type of approach in their interactions with people rather than the evangelizing, I'm going to convert you kind of approach, which I, I imagine a lot of people out there have found doesn't quite work that often, does it? So uh, let's look for a better way of communicating this information. Uh, Larkin, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. And sorry to inflict status, Jim, on you. It's my first time <laughs> trying to do that. I know I wasn't very good at it. I'll work on it. And you might see status, Jim, again in the future. So we'll see. Yeah, that was awesome. I look forward to meeting him again. <laughs> that was great. I had fun. All right. Take care, guys. Take care.